Forgotten Flicks, Episode 60. Not bad for a couple of humans. Lance Henriksen talks. He actually did. To Forgotten Flicks. This is Lance Henriksen, and you're listening to Forgotten Flicks. So welcome to this 60th episode, people. 60. God, we're over the hill. Holy oh, crap. We're ancient. Five more years, we're going to get money. Jason, we're, we're, we're justified and ancient. <laughs> Little KLF is going to rock you. Yes. So welcome to the Forgotten Flicks podcast. If you're new around these parts, well, <laughs> um, thank you for coming by. We actually appreciate that. You're lost. No. If yeah, you're yeah, new, you, you, you're yeah. lost. What, what you want to do is go on back onto the main road. So uh, take a left up. Yes, I am Joel, joined, as always, by that. By the Lance Lover. By the Lance Lover oh. himself. By that breath of fresh air. <laughs> by the. Uh. I don't know the cat, the feather in my cap, the sharktopus in your sea. The, How about that? Yeah, the sharktopus in my pants, Jason. <laughs> Good evening, sir. Holy crap! I can't believe we're finally releasing this. Um, this is just momentous, and it seems fitting that we're on a special episode, episode sixty. First of all, it seems like I can't believe we've been going on this long, but yep. to have such an amazing just legend on mm-hmm. our show at episode 60 is a uh, it's a big deal. Well, it's a very big deal and of course, we have other than Lance himself to thank, we have another gentleman who is mucho deserving of all of our thanks for making this happen. <laughs> that would be the one and only Peter. Yes, he is a gentle giant, Nielsen, <laughs> one of the reviewers on the forgottenflix.com site. He is Fantastic. And Jason and I both were completely caught <clears throat> by surprise for this whole thing. Um, I'll, g- I'll give the little uh, beginning of the story, Jay, and then you can pick it up. But in a nutshell, <laughs> I'm sitting in the parking lot of a convenience store with my kids in a minivan getting ready to take them to a drive-in to see the Lorax. My wife goes in because, of course, I wouldn't iPad and drive people. All right, come on. So <laughs> my wife is in getting getting a couple of things, and, and I'm sitting there, and I get this message you know, from Peter. And it just says something effect of, can you get on Skype right now in five minutes? It's like, okay, I got the iPad in my lap. Why not? 3G. So, and I, and I actually forgot I was on video. So he was, I don't know if he could, I'm assuming he could see me because my little box was there. Because I don't even know what kind of faces I was making as he was telling me the story, but I'm sure it was fascinating. So, yes, he tells me that he was at the sci-fi convention over the weekend and he met Lance Henriksen earlier that day. Well, I'm thinking, well, yeah, that's why he wanted to Skype because that's awesome. Yeah, and Lance wanted to potentially come on the show. And I'm not going to lie, I thought he was totally ganking my chain. Even though <laughs> Peter's never really done that before, because, you know, he's too far away. Yeah, you know, I really thought he was yanking my chain. So he wanted uh, Jason to get on. Well, I know that Jason, you and he got on, uh, you know, a little bit later. But, yeah, I, I don't even, it was it was a shock. We were completely shocked. Yeah. Basically, Peter in Sweden went to a sci-fi convention and ran into Lance, who was one of the guests at the show. And Peter told himself that he needed to absolutely ask Lance to come on the show or else he would never forgive himself. So um, he actually went up, started talking to Lance. turns out Lance was a 
phenomenal guy. He said he was by far the most engaging and kind and friendly of the entire show of all the, the guests that were there and immediately said, yes, he'd love to come on. So uh, the three of us kind of worked out with Lance when uh, we could get him on when he he flew back to L.A. Literally, it was the same week he had flown back from Sweden. Uh, we were able to get on with him and have this um, incredible interview. So it's just it was it was karma. It was uh, well, th- then it must have been it because was... of you, my friend, because I don't know that my karma is that good. <laughs> so anyway, so uh, with that, yes, uh, we'll let's go into the interview. But before we get in, I want to talk very quickly about. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, um, Lance Henriksen has been around for a while, and he has made some incredible movies. Not only movies, TV, video games, short films, um, been the voice of animated uh, uh, series and features. So I wanted to talk through just a handful of his over 183 titles that he's either completed or has in production right now. Um, over his career. so And it's amazing to think, as we talk in the interview, he actually didn't get into acting as a child or even as a young man. Mm-hmm. He kind of got into it a little later. But um, I wanted to point out some of the highlights in case you haven't heard of some of these. Well, most films. of them most of them are very, very small. Forgot, forgotten truly forgotten. Yeah, truly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd say. Um, so let me start with Dog Day Afternoon. Love it. Network. Love it. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Well, now, th- now, did that filmmaker ever go on to do anything else? I don't think that guy ever did anything. Really? He's kind of this yeah. way out there space guy. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Piranha 2 the Spawn. Which, of course, was directed the, by the one and only. Uh, Jim Cameron. There you go. And we talk about that in the interview. Fantastic story. He was in The Right Stuff with Ed Harris, who he became very good friends with. He talked about that in the interview. Terminator. He was in Aliens. Alien 3, and most recently, Alien vs. Predator. Yep. He was in Near Dark, which is going to be our episode next week, where we talk about vampire movie that came out right after um, he did... Aliens. Aliens, mm-hmm. which also stars Bill Paxton in both. Yep. Um, did one of my favorite horror movies, Pumpkinhead, which I love. Yep. He did a couple episodes of Tales from the Crypt, and if you I read some of his show. bio... Um, we didn't get a chance to ask him about this in the... In the, in the interview, but if you read some of his other interviews and his bio, he actually read and um, was a big fan of the Tales from the Crypt comic books. So to go on and do this. I would fun. love to have him Is on it, just to talk about his thoughts on the EC comics, Tales from the Crypt, and just the whole thing. That would be yeah. awesome. I think that would be great. Um, he was also in No Escape Yep. with Ray Liotta. Liotta. The Quick and the Dead. Good job, Jay. He was not, not in fact... In the quick and the undead. No, definitely not, not that one. Um, his most famous TV roles, he was in the series Millennium. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he has been in over a dozen different uh, short videos and also video game voices. Oh, yeah. Mass Effect, yep. Call of Duty, Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. He was in the Aliens uh, video game, Colonial Marines. Um, and then most recently, he told us about a project he's working on called Bring Me the Head of Lance Henriksen. And you're going to have to hear the story on, on how uh, that all people. came about. But I will tell you, I will tell you, it stars some of our favorite actors like, and actresses. Like Tim Thomerson and Adrian Barbeau? <laughs> Including Tim Thomerson and the lovely Adrian Barbeau. Mm, so that's yes. coming out soon um, in, in this year. So he talks about that. So um, it, it, it's just, I can't tell you what kind of an honor it was to 
have him on the line. So um, it's a little bit of a longer episode this time, but we hope you stick with it because uh, Lance is an incredibly oh. engaging guy. So without a doubt, um, it was incredible, and yeah. we we want to thank him again. We you know obviously thanked him profusely to the point of probably his. Oh, nausea. Um, in fact, we thank him so much. And, uh, yeah, but we thank him. And, of course, thank you to Peter cause, for making this happen. And uh, it was great. Yes, was and good. who joins us on the, the interview as yeah. well. So yep. Peter will hear Peter uh, in on the interview. So um, we don't have anything else. I'd no, say, man, I think let, that's it. And then uh, that's it. Let's do it. All right, good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Forgotten Flicks podcast, our very special episode tonight. We have an amazing guest uh, we are going to be speaking with this evening, um, a film legend and a TV and actually video game legend uh, also, who has voiced many characters and portrayed um, some of the great characters in film, especially um, some of the great 80s flicks in sci-fi and horror, Mr. Lance Hendrickson. Uh, thank you for joining us tonight, Mr. Hendrickson. Thank you, buddy. Thanks for the interest. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it, this is very exciting uh, to have you on tonight. And uh, do, do you prefer us to call you uh, Mr. Hendrickson or Lance? Because we'll do whatever you say. <laughs> Lance is good. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, <laughs> oh, wait a minute. How about Sir Lance? Yeah. No, uh, sir, yeah. Sir, sir Lance. No, you got I it. Got, uh, <laughs> I got, I got uh, what do you call it, knighted over in, uh, at Biff, you know, in, uh, in, in Belgium. Oh, did you? They actually knighted me, yeah. Oh, well, if it's official, then we can totally call you Sir Lance. <laughs> yeah. they, or, or the joke is they call me Lance a lot. Uh... <laughs> but Peter was smart enough not to say it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And I did anyway. Yeah. Oh, I, I guess I guess just to kind of kick this whole thing off, um, you know, we'll, I think we'd be remiss with uh, with the audience if we didn't touch upon uh, some of the bigger pictures you're in. But I'd like to kind of, you know, go go back a little bit. And uh, recently I found out about your uh, autobiography and uh, not bad for a human. And I believe it said uh, not bad for a human dot com is where people can get a copy of that. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, hardback, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. and uh, I've I've already added it to the wish list for the uh, for the wife for a present. So, um, <laughs> what sort of what compelled you to want to write an autobiography? What um, what were your you know your goals? What were your uh, what was your objective behind doing that? If you had one, maybe it was just you know for fun. But what what were you thinking? What was your sort of process of what you went through to decide to do that? It, it, you know, it really started out with a guy who was a writer who's a fan, you know, a fan of a lot of the films I was in. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. and what had happened was I had done a voiceover for uh, Nightmares in Red, White and Blue, which mm -hmm. was a which was an anthology of horror films. And, and it went very well. And we became friends. And then he approached me with the idea. And I said, I'll tell you what, I've been asked this before. And, and I and I never wanted to do it because I didn't feel it was over yet. You mm -hmm. know, and so. So he said, uh, would I do it? And I said, if we get halfway through it and it's bullshit, mm -hmm. excuse me. No, no, you're, you're okay. We're, we, we will throw the explicit <laughs> tag on if need be. You are free to. <laughs> uh, then, then we would just throw it away and never look back. And then what happened was halfway through it, I, I got this real strong urge to kind of tell it tell the truth and tell a story. Yeah. And the story was really about that. You don't do this alone. You know, it's, it's being, it's being encompassed by a lot of very bright people. And, and I, I wasn't, I didn't start from an educated place and, 
And so it, 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 it inevitably became a great purge, you know, and, and it's not a, it's not a bullshit story. It's, and it's not an ego trip. It's, mm-hmm. it's really about, if I was talking to a young actor or a young, anybody going into this business, I would say, you know, use everything that you have, you know, not just your, not just your best apples up on top or your looks mm-hmm. or, you know, you really gotta, you gotta dig deep for some of this stuff. So mm-hmm. I really wanted to write a book that had some resonance to that, to that kind of theme, you know? Yeah, that, that's interesting. And actually I saw the uh, nightmares in red, white and blue and uh, really enjoyed it. Actually one of our uh, listeners and fellow podcaster, Kevin Batchelder had recommended, uh, recommended it on our Facebook page and uh, watched that a few months back on Netflix. So it was very, very good. Um, yeah, it's Joe Madre. He's he's a bright guy. He's a really bright young man. So. Yeah, yeah, it was very interesting. Yep. Now, so getting kind of into the uh, acting process, and and guys, I promise this will be my last hogging the interview question. Then one of you, <laughs> you guys, no problem. Uh, I enjoy listening. Okay, so so we, you know, I know you uh, you studied uh, at um, was it the in I know it was in New York. Um, and I'm, actor studio. Yeah, actor yeah. studio. Okay, um, that was what was coming to my mind, but for some reason I was completely brain farting on that. Um, it, it, <laughs> you, you, you were, you know, I know you're very, you know, your method. I assume that you still approach roles in the same way. And I kind of, you know, personally, I I did some filmmaking back in my misbegotten youth, and I think one of the things I always find fascinating with actors is how, you know, the process and so many, you know, different actors approach it from different ways. Some, you know, it's just about showing up, read your lines and go home. Some really get immersed uh, in the, in the world of their character and they create these you know, in-depth backstories. And I know some of the things I, I read up on you that you're, you know, renowned for doing that, that you really like to create these rich backstories of characters, even if it's not already laid out in the screenplay for you. So I, I just go, I guess going in a little bit into your process and, and what you're. Uh, well, think about it for a second. You know, somebody, by the time I get a movie handed to me on a, in a script form, right, mm-hmm. they've already done a lot of work. It's been years of work. And so they, they hand it to me and I read it. And I, and I realize, I realized very well, early on that you, you, they're telling you everything about the story and everything about the narrative, but they don't tell you how to do it. Mm-hmm. How are you going to play this character? What do you bring to it? You know, I can be, I, I can look right for the role and all that kind of stuff, but really, Really, I have to have a search going, you know, otherwise I'm just a uh, plastic fantastic, you know, it, yeah. it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that you're going to reach it. You know, you're going to be able to, I've played guys that are so brilliant, you know, according to the script. Mm-hmm. And how am I going to play that? Because I'm not I didn't go to college. I mean, I've played guys that are almost geniuses. Mm-hmm. And and you end up saying, well, what what, what what's the core of that? You know, you mm-hmm. have to you have to really figure out a core that you can act that will back up what they're asking you to say, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, it's not method so much anymore. It's really, it's really logic and, and, uh, you know, straying from a core of truth one way or the other, mm-hmm. you know, you, it, 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 it's all, you know, in a way to talk about how you do it is, it's a little like a, a dancing caterpillar. Mm-hmm. You, you see the guy with the thousand legs on the caterpillar and you say, how do you do that? And it goes, uh, and then <laughs> it does not dance anymore. You know, it's, I, I, I can tell you this much though, that really you have to personalize it. You have to personalize a role having to do with your life experiences. Otherwise you're faking it, mm-hmm. but you can fake it and make it work. But mm-hmm. uh, I don't, it's just not my way. It's mm. interesting. But, 
one of the things I um, I wanted to bring up is, uh, you know, I read one of your stories. You were talking about watching uh, movies as a kid, um, and I, you said you'd watch Big Sky for like eight hours straight when the movie repeated over and over, and you actually had camping gear in the theater. Yeah, um, I did. <laughs> like you were going to be in it. But to me, it's the same. It, it feels the same. Like um, it, it is immerse- the same. You're right on. You're right on. It's exactly the same. In other words, if you're going to immerse yourself in the role, I think – I think one of the biggest, uh, you know, the biggest things in, in filmmaking is great directors all make the environment safe for you to do that. I mean, they really do. They protect you. Mm-hmm. And, that, and they want you to do that. I mean, it goes the other way, too, where if you have a character in a movie that you really need to be tense, the director, if he's smart, will put the guy under pressure. And so every scene he does will have that layer of tension in it. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean... Tension's the worst thing you can act, and so because that's where you'll be, you know. But but anyway, it, it's like a, you know, yeah. We'll we'll probably get to some of the rest of this later. But 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 the truth of it is, to personalize it is everything. It really is. Yeah, and and it's uh, one of the, th- the amazing things um, to me in in some of your processes, really just uh, immersing yourself in even the historical elements of it. So. You know, for your role in playing Lincoln and the day Lincoln was shot, you know, to know that he really was, you know, more of a kind of a squeaky voice guy with with weird lanky arms and uh, was not what classically we see in some of the older films of this deep voice, tall statesman. I I mean, that... Gregory Peck. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I really I went to the director and said to him at one point. I really would like to play it like Lincoln was, that he was very high-pitched and, hmm. you know, very, very... Uh, in fact, when they went to Cooper Union to meet this guy, to pick him up, you know, to do a speech for the nomination, the guy was embarrassed to be with him because really Lincoln's... Lincoln's uh, real length of, of body was in his legs. You know, mm-hmm. from, his, from his ankle to his knee, he had an incredibly long bone. And it was... He was 6'4". And he weighed 160 pounds. Wow. Oh, wow. You know, that's in a drink of water kind of guy, yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then, as he walked up to Cooper Union, the guy was absolutely embarrassed to be with him. Because Lincoln, of course, played it up by using a stove hat, you know, mm-hmm. stove pipe. And the ironic part was the minute he started talking uh, at the Cooper Union and, and, and making a speech, at first they were looking at him like, what the hell? I mean, this looks like a... <laughs> You know, this looks like a doll. Yeah, I don't know what the hell they thought, but <laughs> but he he, you know, the exquisite nature of him came out in the content, you know, which was was really something with this guy. I mean, he, there are great stories about him. I have right at the end of the my desk here, I have all of Lincoln's speeches, and and they're mind blowing. How the integrity yeah. guy was. Yeah, he was always searching for kind of a justice in the world, you know, so yeah. it's pretty great. Yeah, that's interesting. And his eloquence, I mean, you know, his just the way that they they were able to express themselves, especially him, you know, his speech writing was um, incredible, just beyond what we see a lot of nowadays with such, I guess, social media and... Um, oh, oh, God, I mean, this is all, <laughs> this is all personalities without principle. I mean, if you, yeah. if, if you had Lincoln today, when you read them, they're exquisite. But if you had him today going four scored seven years ago and our forefathers brought forth, you know, you go, <laughs> <laughs> that, 
be like Ross Perot for guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Admiral. <laughs> Admiral. <laughs> yeah, he's a shorter guy then. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it belies the, the pictures you, you uh, when you when you look at Lincoln. Uh, it, it's kind of a uh, opposite. Uh, he looks very. Uh, I don't know. Majestic might be a, a strong oh, word, but uh, he came from Kentucky. You know, yeah. and he lived in Springfield. You know, but. But there, there's another right, uh, really ironic twist to the whole thing. You know, there, there's a, uh, doctors have looked at photographs of him. And in the photographs, you always see his, his legs are crossed and his leg is moving, so it's blurred. And the doctor realized that he had a very bad heart condition hmm. and that he probably would have died of natural causes pretty quickly after, after those pictures were taken. But the other thing is, there was a pipe running in from the Potomac River into the White House where they got their water from. And Lincoln had a constant case of cholera. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You know, so imagine, imagine all. And, and, and also to set the scene for you, back in those days, an average guy could walk into the White House and have a meeting with Lincoln. Yeah, that's not I happening mean, now. <laughs> no, no, no help. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, now, but you know, I mean, it's a, it's an amazing. When you start looking into it, you go, yeah. my "God." My favorite scene in the show that I did was uh, playing with my son and walking around the White House barefoot <laughs> as Lincoln. You know. Yeah. Wow. Now, yeah. did you do the research? Uh, you know, kind of your your interest in him. Did that come up just as a result of the movie or the you know the the TV movie you did, or was that something you had read about before? Or? Oh, yeah, I read about as much as I could before I started. But remember, I was doing Millennium, and I only had a month off, you know, in between seasons. So yeah. I, I searched it. But then I realized as I was doing it that there's a much heavier, uh, you know, importance to this adventure than than just, you know, making faces. You know, one, mm -hmm. one of the amazing things happened while I was shooting that. I remember... I was at the Jefferson Hotel in Richmond, and we were shooting it in Virginia. And, and this woman saw me. I had grown the beard. And a woman saw me from across the lobby, way across the lobby. It's a big, big lobby. And that dates back to the, to the year. And she went, oh, my God. And she said, he had the nerve to walk right up Main Street. <laughs> For her, you know, because there was a moment when, when, Rich, when Lincoln walked into Richmond, he only had the guards from the ship. So it was very few people and yeah. it was guarding him. And he, you know, the war was on. And, and Lincoln walked right up Main Street. And I guess people never forgave him for that, you know, being as bold as that, you know. But, yeah. but anyway... He could have been sniper shot or blown up or anything. You know? Yeah. And then another one was, I was on my way to a location that was now in a ghetto, but it was a, uh, you know, a, a historical monument that was surrounded by a, a big iron fence. And we were going to shoot there because it was an original place. And <clears throat> as I was walking to the set, which my, the honey wagons and all that, my trailer was parked like 10 blocks away. Mm -hmm. So I walked down to that location in full regalia, you know, ready to go to work. And, <laughs> and this young black kid on a bicycle, I guess he was probably 16, 17. He started circling me on his bicycle. <laughs> I, I was alone. And, and he went, 
Emancipation Proclamation. I love that shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It, it, it actually made me cry. I was walking. <laughs> that is fantastic. That is fantastic. Uh, so, uh, and, and Peter, you know, let me know if you, because I don't want to talk over you if you have something you want to you want to ask. No, I was just thinking um, a little about the, what what makes you do the. Uh, the different movies that's uh, the story the script itself or the director or... It, it can be any one of those things it can be, it's the challenge of the material and the, and the environment it was that i that i imagine is going to happen yeah you know i mean really I, I i even describe it in my book that that a lot of our industry you could define as a kiss in the dark because you don't know where when how what or hmm. why it's going to happen and 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 sometimes it's a very odd thing. I remember when I did Pumpkinhead that that I got to, I, I was reading the script. When, when I got the script, I saw Pumpkinhead on the cover and I went, oh no, shit, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? I'm going to be riding around on a horse with a pumpkin on my head. <laughs> and then I got to this scene where the little boy, my son, who's dead, I'm driving to see a witch and 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 he sits up and he goes, Daddy, what are you doing? And when he did that in the script, when I read it, I got chills. I really got chills. And I thought, oh, that's that's what sold me on the script. Yeah, it's a powerful yeah. moment. That's that's incredible. One one scene, you know. Uh, yeah. Things sometimes. Yeah. Ever chosen a movie just because uh, to work with uh, other actors, a specific actor, or, or? Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, I. I got offered a, a movie recently and, it, and I did it and it's called Phantom. And it's about um, a friend of mine is in it. Ed Harris is in it. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. And it's about Russian submarines and it's about an event that actually happened. And they asked me to come in and play uh, this admiral. In the script it said admiral, but they demoted me when I got to the set. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it was this great five-page scene where I'm asking a man that I've known my whole life, a friend, to go out and do this job and knowing he's never gonna survive it. Hmm. And it was, it was I end up blowing my own brains out but because of it. But, but the point is that, that sometimes the material grasps you because of its, its totality, it's clear and, and, it's, and it's totally there. And, and I, of course, personalizing it, you know, again, like I say, that's the key to it all for me anyway, because I'm a primitive. But but it, it was a great experience. It really was. Actually, I, I like and, to, I like to ask you about that, because I, I when several of the interviews and things I read, you mentioned the primitive idea and I found that appealing. And, and I'm curious if you could explain what you mean when you say that. Well, look, <clears throat> I've become very educated and, I, and I, I'm very well read now. Over the years, I mean, you know, I'm 70 years old or, or a little more. <laughs> I'm actually 71, but anyway. But the point is that that the uh, when I started out, uh, you know, the schooling and all that didn't matter to me. I mean, it was it was ridiculous because I had no support behind me. So naturally, I spent the three years I went to grammar school looking out the window. I just wanted to be outside. I didn't want to be there, and so. So when you start from that position, what you end up, what you end up doing, 
you have a great shit detector because I'm from New York. Mm-hmm. It means I can, I can read people and I can read situations because I've been the only nature in New York, as a friend of mine once said, is is the people because the rest is all, you know, cement and, mm-hmm. and big buildings. And so you develop this capacity to read people. And and so but again, it's all about backing. I didn't have the education to understand how did that fit in the real world yeah. because a, a lot of the time I was walking around like the invisible man you know as a kid and, and as a, you know and I left home pretty early so I was traveling through life uh, kind of feeling like uh, I, I had arrived after things had happened or before things had happened but not when they were happening hmm. so it was an odd, an odd odd feeling yeah. and when I got into the industry and into becoming an actor everything about it is social you know what I mean? It really yeah. is. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it's about very learned people writing material or even clumsy people mm-hmm. like forgotten films that you're talking about yeah. <laughs> <laughs> making an attempt, but you can't judge that. You, you know, it's an, it's an adventure. Yeah. And so, and, and I, and I could only approach it from a primitive aspect. I mean, I couldn't approach it with, uh, what would you say? Laurels or, you know, or, um, you know, a, a whole institution behind me, like I went to Harvard or, you know, whatever. Because if, I mean, if they tried to get me into politics, I'd be slaughtered. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I have no history other than, you know, other than the art forms that I've been involved that, in. That might work in your favor, actually, <laughs> in, in politics. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm still work. I've got a new manager and I'm still working and we have a strategy of things we want to do, but, but again, I, you know, I'm into a whole new mode and I'm sure you'll get into later, but, but anyway, but that's the answer to your question. That's, that's the primitive aspect. Yeah. That's, that's very, that I, really, I still feel by the way. Yeah. That's very interesting. That's very interesting. Jason, were you settling? Uh, no, I just wanted to ask one of the, the things that I thought was, uh, looks really amazing. I was looking at the, um, uh, information on your bring me the head of Lance Lance Hendrickson uh, yeah. that I'm working on with Tim Thomerson and uh, yeah. um, oh, yeah. that that looks actually fantastic. But it's it's kind of funny because it's the it is definitely the uh, the older actors trying to you know deal with that that facet of uh, of their career. So, well, listen, you know, in a way, we all are. Look, whether whether you're 10, 20, 50, 60, mm-hmm. 80 we're all dealing with the stages of life, right? Mm-hmm. And every one of those stages are being examined. I mean, some are more appealing when you get a hot chick that has no brains, you know, <laughs> that looks like a, she looks like a piece of bait for any man, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. that's one stage. Then you get to another stage, you know, where the, the person is, you know, anyway, you're, you're, you're going to get fucking rant. <laughs> hey, you know what? Rant away, Lance, and, and if it's if, if at some point you're like, yeah, you need to you need to cut out like you know the last twelve minutes of this conversation. <laughs> we no, do but, that often. Yeah. Okay, you, you don't have to edit anything I say. I'll stand by. Oh, good. Uh, no, that's awesome. I, I respect I'll stand that. By. But but the point <laughs> is though that there there are many ages of you know many many kind of sections to your life, and and ironically, what happened was that. Uh, Michael Wirth came in and had this idea, and, and I thought, well, actually, he had the idea before he ever called me, and I suddenly saw it on the internet. <laughs> and 
head of Lance Henriksen. I went, what the hell is that, man? <laughs> you need so to call I, the police. So I, called, I called Michael and said, what's going on, man? <laughs> so we suddenly realized that if we improvise every word of this, that none of it is written, Michael can have an idea that we're going to go from A to B, you know, which is a location or, or an issue. Mm -hmm. But how we get there is up to us. And, and Tim Thomason, I've worked with many times. I mm -hmm. mean, he's, this is a guy who's got a, I have to say it, he's got a heart as big as a baby's head. And, he, and <laughs> when, you, when you confront him or throw him off track, he has the most innocent reactions I've ever seen in a human being. And, <laughs> and I thought, I'm going to torture this guy because I, <laughs> I, I want to see, I want to see those reactions. They're fabulous. I mean, and so Tim, the, the issue of it is that Tim goes to get roles because we're around the same age. I don't really know how old Tim is, but, and, and I got all the parts or they've been offered to me. Mm -hmm. And so he gets really frustrated and wants to find out how do I do it? So he starts stalking me. <laughs> <laughs> he ends up in my house and, 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 and I have confrontations with him and fun stuff. And then finally, I realize I'm going to take this guy on. I'm going to teach him what I know. <laughs> One way or another, I'm going to get the information without giving it to him on a silver platter. And so I start torturing him some more. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, we're we're big we're big Tim Thomerson fans here. We kind of have a running joke of uh, sort of the a actors that we've covered uh, a lot of their films, and we did a Transfers episode uh, a while back with, with another podcast podcaster named Daryl. Uh, and, and one of the best lines in the trailer, I thought, was when. Tim is being interviewed, and the, and the guy you know talks about. It. And of course, after you did Near so Dark with Lance, went, you retired. Times <laughs> you said you went back to that well a few times, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs> One, two, four, and five. Uh. And the look, you're right. The look on his face, it's it's oh, like this it's mix of confusion that. and pain and like. <laughs> So and embarrassment, and, yeah. you know, he gets embarrassed easy. And, oh, you know, I, I did a scene with him where we were in an acting class and he's in an acting class and he's sitting on a, on a chair in front of 30 people. And I'm way up in the back. He doesn't even know I'm there. And, and he's he starts talking to them about what he's going to do and why he's doing it. And it's all bullshit. I mean, it's intellectual <laughs> crap. Right. <laughs> so. <laughs> From the top of the thing, it became like Cyrano and get off the stage, you awful lug your guts away, Salam. <laughs> and and Tim Tim is doing that, and I, and I hollered from the top. I said, "What the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> what is that shit?" And the, and, the, and the guy who's running the class says, "Hey, hey, 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 you know, watch it." And I said, "Hey, listen to me, man. This is not the house of pancakes. This is life or death." <laughs> And, I, you know, this is all like improvised shit that is going on. And finally, by the end of the scene, Tim, Tim says, I'm, I'm going, I'm calling my agent. And I said, well, go call your agent. Who gives a shit if you're calling your agent? <laughs> like it's a threat. <laughs> I'm afraid now. <laughs> Tim starts foaming at the mouth with anger. And I said, hey, Tim, start your scene now. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's incredible. So as an actor, I mean, do you really enjoy improv? I mean, is that? Do you prefer it? I mean, how do you feel about it? Well, this was something kind of new. I mean, on every set, especially on the independent films where they have no budget and they've hired me and, and, I, and, I, and I get there and I've had a lot more experience than some of these guys. And 
I end up saying to them, look, we have no money to compete. So the only thing we've got is our imaginations. And, you know, so let's let's push it a little bit because they get, you know, sometimes they write shit and it's very pat and it's very, you know, it's very boring, actually boring and, and full of exposition. And so uh, and I'm not I'm not saying I'm bored. I'm just saying the audience will be. <laughs> so anyway, you know, I start negotiating with them about changing things. And very often it's intuitive kind of reactions I have to those situations and it, and it seems to work out. But I, but in answer to your question, I, I love it. But remember this, without, without restraint, there is no art. Hmm. Uh, that, that has to be kept in mind. You know, I don't just go off on a riff that, you know, that if they end up standing in a room together going, he destroyed our movie. <laughs> 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 yeah, that, that's that's very interesting. I, I've I've heard the and I I tend to I think agree with it. The idea that I think Hitchcock obviously was a big proponent of because you know he controlled every little aspect. But the idea that when you create art, especially you know in film, having certain boundaries and, and it's like trying to work within what you the restrictions, you, you know. Yeah, you have to. I remember I I, I work with a with a guy that. Every line w was really important to him. And I remember he would even say to me, he'd give me the line like a musical note, like, uh, hey, <laughs> why is she blind, bro? And I remember we were doing uh, Jennifer 8, and Bruce Robinson came up to me and he said, the line, Lance, the, the line would be better if you just did it. Why is she blind, bro? And <laughs> that, that's that, that inside. I was saying, fuck off. And, and outside I went, yeah, yeah, Bruce, I'll keep that in mind. So, so Andy Garcia was sitting up there fishing. And, and I said to him, because of Bruce, I went, why is she brined blow? Yeah, I was reading the story you had told about um, when you guys were on the set of uh, Piranha 2 and the producer was, was uh, trying to you guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah was, was it a helicopter scene that you were shooting? When you had yeah, the I mean, blades were running, the, the motor was running, the, they were rotating. I'm standing there talking to my wife. Jim Cameron's got 40 feet of track set up. We're trying to get the scene and he comes up to me and he's in Italian Greek and he he said, Lance, uh, if you finish this in the next hour, I'll buy you the best meal you ever had. And I said, you get the fuck away from me, man. What kind of a bribe is that? Yeah, really. Are you insane? I mean, and Cameron is like, we're, we're trying to get every dollar on the screen, which is Jim's way. Uh -huh. And, and mm -hmm. I just went, oh, come on. I, I, I suddenly felt like a hooker. You know, you turn me... <laughs> You turn me into a hooker with that meal offer. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, if you yeah. perform, I'll feed you. I'll feed you. Yeah, I wouldn't even give you cash like a real hooker. I'll give you. Yeah, and I'll look across the table at you and smile and smile. And you'll feel special because you're with me in the restaurant. Yeah, you're my friend. You're my friend. Oh, Jim man. is crazy. You're my friend. <laughs> 
<laughs> one of the one of those kind of guys. And then of course he's talking to Jim. Yeah, Lance. Yeah, Lance is crazy. You're my friend, that Jim. Fucking Lance. Lance is slowing you down. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Lance is watching your film. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, those kind of people are really great. <laughs> yes, there more there are more of them than there are of us. Uh, uh, yeah, that's the unfortunate <laughs> reality of life, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting and, and i and I, I i refuse we we none of we've all agreed we're not going to do the well you've worked with you know james cameron steven spielberg you know sydney lament all these oh, wonderful directors and just don't say what's my favorite movie. i would no Please, no, no we're not we, no. we're not going to ask you that and we are not going to ask you who is the best one to work with. we're not doing any of that crap but i did want to ask you of you've obviously worked with a lot of different directors what and like john because i remember reading uh, something too that you talked about hard oh, target God. And that was what I, really the plan of the idea in my head is what type of director, what, what is it you, I mean, when you're working with somebody like that, and that's a, you know, a very intimate relationship, or, you know, it can be as far as, you know, uh, you know developing the character and, and what kind of director do you really love the best as far as how you work? I've got a hundred John Woo stories. I've got, <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> Look, the, I, I don't, I don't want to be stodgy and I don't want you to think that, that, that it's a stodgy you know, question, but but the point is that in the, in the outcome of the movie, I, I have no 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 control at all yeah. about the outcome. The god is the uh, editor, and then you know the director, and the, then you get to the producers, and then you get to the distributors, and all of that, whether it's successful or not, the yeah. movie. Uh, the real intimate relationships are everything. Yeah. I mean, those are. If you were to ask me, or dare you ask me, you know, what's my favorite? movie it would be about the adventure and not the critical acclaim of or course. whatever it is you know because that's all that's all shit man i mean i have no i have no say on that well because i mean a... i can... go ahead otherwise i would yeah i would be like a, a reviewer you know oh, uh-huh. who has no no stakes of <laughs> well and actually it. <laughs> yeah. one of the things you said that i absolutely loved is you kind of went off on siskel and ebert <laughs> <laughs> oh i hated those guys oh. <laughs> No, I mean, you know, the big one, the fat one. Yeah, Ebert. What yeah. was his? Ebert. Yeah. 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 His claim to fame was Valley of the Dolls. Yes. I mean, that piece of shit movie. I mean, that was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Review. Okay. Yeah. okay. Your credentials are widely known, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other guy was kind of a hostile guy. You know, he was, I, I remember going to, in Chicago with him and having a steak dinner on us, right? Because I was on a tour, you uh -huh. know, promoting film. And, and I remember him being really aggressive and everything. And I said, oh, man, this is fun. Uh -huh. This is really fun. So I'll, I'll get my dessert now, please. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, I, 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 actually, I actually, in an interview, said, you know, I think that one guy's tongue should swell up in his mouth and the other guy should be sewn into the belly of a camel. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us how you really feel, Lance. <laughs> And that was when you're holding it back. So we, yeah. yeah, I was holding it back. <laughs> you know, but, you know that's, that's something we really, I mean, that's kind of what uh, started us down this path of the, of the whole forgotten flicks is, you know, we felt like there was, there was too much emphasis put on you know, what the, what's the box office take on a movie or, you know, what was the, the, the big effects in it. I mean, there were so many movies that we felt were really not spoken enough about or not, you right. know, remembered. And um, we, you know, we've just, we talk about them from really that immersion of what, what would we really enjoy? You know, what is something you really can get into and, 
Um, and we try really hard not to knock movies. I mean, we, we, we well, know. it's, you know, it's people that you resonate with. I mean, there's something yeah. about certain people like right now, I'll give you an example. Jim Cameron is going to the bottom of the ocean in a new kind of submarine that he invented with wow. a bunch of scientists. And the guy, the guy has always been that way. He, you know, he just, there's no quit in him. There's no, there's no lack of investigation. There's no lack of, of reality about where he's at. Because remember, we're in a, we're in the industry of illusion. Mm -hmm. And, and there's also, if you're delusional on top of a business of illusion, yeah. you don't have a chance. You really don't. <laughs> yeah. There's got to be a practical side. And, and one of, one of the, if, if, if I run into a guy who, who's all snoot music and he's, and he's talking to me like he's got all the, for, the answers. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say fucking answers. Well, you know what? <laughs> there, well, there are answers and then there are fucking answers. So that's fine. <laughs> and the guy ends up handing a script off to me and I read it and it's got all of this pretension in it. I don't know how to relate to that. Yeah. I mean, I've never, I wasn't born with a, you know, with a, with a um, ballet outfit on, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. I just wasn't. And so I, I'm resonate with people that have stakes that, you know, like whether John Woo, his stakes in life are so based on who he is and where he came from hmm. and, you know, the life he had and, and his goals are, have all to do with, a, a you know, kind of a dignity and, and there's also violence and there's also the art of music involved in his stuff and and the art of uh, really he really cares about people believe it or not i mm -hmm. mean he's a he's done some very violent films mm -hmm. but but the only way he could have done them his way is because of all the things that he is mm -hmm. and you know again jim when you look at his body of work but you also realize that he has invented cameras and mm -hmm. and and everything. I mean, just the guy is, oh, he's a big hero of mine. I mean, mm -hmm. he's just, just from afar, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't hang out with him, but, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. That's I, you know, even though I've done three movies with him, I, I have seen a growth. Remember, Piranha 2 was one, and that was raw. Uh -huh. Then you get to Aliens, and that was very sophisticated. And then you get to, you know, I mean, you just, you just keep going. Terminator uh -huh. was, was sophisticated than Piranha. Yeah. And you see a, both a growth in a human being that you know hmm. that's where we're at i mean i'm getting better not worse yeah i love that attitude. You know, i love that yeah, that's the yeah. way it should be <laughs> yeah i mean bring me the head may end up being being uh I, i've always loved comedy only because of the situation i don't think i'm funny i just i just think situations are can be outrageous and wonderful and funny and revealing and and that's what bring me the head you know drew me into Mm -hmm. And it takes, it's like taking a chance. I mean, it's a taking a chance because, and, that, and that's what I like to do too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. But you, you can't, you can only take chances if you're in a, an environment that is supporting you. Yeah. You know, and so that's the point. That's very, very yeah. interesting. So one of the, huh? yeah, one of the things I wanted to, to definitely talk about, I mean, obviously one of the ways that we, uh, we kind of got hooked up with you was through the conventions that you've been participating in and you, you know, I think you've got a, reputation for being really fan friendly and really you know going to a lot of these different things you were in dragon con last year and uh you know you've been all over europe and to, to some of these i mean what is it what is it about that kind of fan interaction that really uh you know you enjoy or that really drives you to to do those kind of things all the time 
Well, let's let's take Sweden. That was the latest one, and and the, the people there are very reserved, and they're very they're very friendly and very smart. And and I remember I remember I went into the um, into the um, theater where we were going to do Q and A, and I remember Kane Hodder was up on the stage and he was standing behind a pulpit, and I said, "Oh, right away." I, <laughs> I don't remember that. Not for me, man. <laughs> uh, so I got in there and I started walking among the people. And I, I love drawing people in and saying, look, if you've got something you want to say or anything you want to ask, you do it. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and, I, and I really enjoy that, enjoy that interaction because what I'm in, inevitably doing uh, is, is trying to create uh, a tribe. Mm-hmm. We are a tribe. That's cool. And that's what I love. I mean, and so when I go to conventions, my favorite thing is doing Q&As because I will do anything to make them happy and laugh and, and be involved and, and get, get sparked up about ideas. Because then out of that comes guys coming to me with scripts and, and, and ideas and all of this stuff. And it's all great. You know, it's all good. I, I, think, I think we're moving into a new era that, that has to do with uh, independent films Absolutely. and the accessibility, the accessibility you know, of, of the materials that you use to make films, the big red camera and, and all this stuff. It's so accessible now that you're going to end up having these wonderful people coming from all walks of life, making passionate stories. And, and that's what more could we ask for in terms of entertainment? I mean, they're going to be un, un, unvarnished stories yeah. for, and some of them are going to be very clever yeah i got one right now that i have to go down to anaheim and and there was a movie called the big push that had been written by this guy and he went to adi which is amalgamated dynamics they've done they did all the alien movies they did pumpkin head they they make all the special effects makeup so now we're cross hatching with with the, the modern era of, of the digital everything mm-hmm. and they had a crate a big, huge crate that they used for shipping predators to Romania when we were shooting that. And this guy said, can I use that? Can I use it? This young director, who is also in it, by the way. Hmm. And he, he built his whole set inside this crate. It's about a guy going out to Jupiter. Right? Hmm. And, and he said, uh, and, and uh, Alex, who's, who was one of the owners, Tom Woodruff and Alec Gillis, he said, Lance, would you be in it? He needs somebody to play a billionaire that actually sponsored the whole trip. And I said, of course, because I saw the crate. I saw the crate and realized there's no money in this. But <laughs> there is the adventure of it, right? Yeah. So I did it. And this guy just won best film in this, in this film festival. And it's very creative and beautiful and polished. And it all came from nowhere. And what's the title? Just Look what happens when people say yes. It's called the last push. Okay, cool. The last push. All right, cool. And and, and it's just amazing. And I've been involved in a lot of things like that because I my attitude came from a buddy of mine in New York that said to me once at a very opportune moment, he said, look what happens when you say yes. <laughs> you say no and nothing happens. True. And you say yeah, to me, I mean, to me, the adventure is, man, it's, that's, that's what I'm in it for. The money is good, you know, when it's, the money's good when it's good. Mm-hmm. And when it's, 
I'm standing around either making pottery or uh, you know I'll go do a movie. Yeah, which which actually we did want to we did want to touch on that because I think a lot of people do not know how unbelievably talented you are with that. Uh, Peter sent us some links uh, to. Uh, to examples of your of your work we saw the the, little, the tiles that you had made for predator and there was an alien one um those were amazing I do big plat- you know huge platters too yeah we saw yeah. the plat yeah we saw the platters in the bowls uh I, it just beautiful stuff um I, I asked them while right before we got on with you i asked if uh, i could borrow a thousand bucks from any of them and they weren't going for it so <laughs> <sighs> you know I, I my wife and i don't do debt so i think i'm gonna have to you know i don't know sell one of our kids i don't know we'll figure it out but um <laughs> but yeah so so the the tiles i know uh, in an interview i heard you say uh, i think it was after uh, you did uh, it was alien versus predator and, and you you had that idea about creating well, them well what happened was we were in, we were in Prague, and the Czech uh, movie people built the most beautiful sets I've ever seen. I mean, they were even even though Paul Anderson had designed them, mm-hmm. these guys them and they were incredible. They were big as football fields. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they really all of the sets were like that. And I thought, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna make some tiles. Well, what what ended up happening is people people saw the tiles, and most Americans, you know, being as <laughs> I don't. There. All right, but hey, hey like like sixty percent of our audience is from the UK, so you're you're good. <laughs> they were afraid of them because they were they were too vivid, right? They were afraid of them, uh-huh. and I thought, mm-hmm. okay, all right, that's the end of that. I, you know, I made a lot of them. I made a couple of pallets worth, and 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 I ended up some of them went to Sweden. By the way, yeah. I remember I remember we got orders for them, and I instead of sending one tile to people, I sent two. Oh, wow. Just to make sure that they were happy, you know. But, but pottery for me, I've been doing it since the '60s, and so I know I know how to do it technically. But what what happens in my life is I need the labor desperately. I need mm-hmm. something other than being in my head, and so I, mm-hmm. I work I work really hard when I do it. But uh, there is a a character in a movie that I want to make. There was a character named George Orr that lived back in the 1800s in Biloxi, Mississippi, and they called him the Mad Potter of Biloxi. And <laughs> I want to do his life story. I want to play the guy. Oh, and I already cool. had one script written, and, and I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't enamored with it. But, but I'm going to work on it again, and I think that that's something I'm going to put out independently, even if I have to direct it. Oh, I've never cool. directed, and I don't want to direct. But, <laughs> But this story I have to tell. I really have to tell. But, you know, as a result of pottery, like what is going on in the world at the time ends up in my pottery. I don't know how, but it does. I remember um, right uh, during the Iraqi war, I, I, you know, I was, I'm upset about war all the time. I mean, I don't like us going to war. I don't like losing our guys. And, mm-hmm. and I don't like the reasons for war, uh, especially the Iraqi war. The, all of the you know, all the, I didn't like Saddam either, you yeah. know, but anyway, I don't want to be politicized by other people. Yeah. But so anyway, so I, I was making big platters and I was, I ended up writing in Arabic on the platters <laughs> as if I, had, as if I had found a wall somewhere in Iraq and all the graffiti that was on the wall, hmm. I onto my platters. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's again, it's the adventure, it's the search. Yeah, that's it's the condition. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. I was going to ask you where you found uh, the inspiration for the platters because they're it, it is beautiful. But thank uh, you, thank you. 
you just answered that. <laughs> it comes from all over the place. You know? but, but again, you know, that we are that we are the sum total of our of our you know the era that we're living in. Mm -hmm. You know, we yeah. truly, are. and and it and it, it goes beyond personalities. It's really about what are the principles of the era that we're working in, and and how can we change them? I mean, there's, you know, how can we uh, you know change them, move them in any direction? Mm -hmm. And I think through art is the only way. I mean, there is the only revenge you've got is through your art because you don't want to become a sniper. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> nah, <laughs> well, nah, well art, everybody, but but Jason, Jason's yeah, I think sometimes tempted, but. <laughs> <laughs> God, I sound like I'm pontificating like crazy. No, man, seriously. <laughs> I just gotta. No, I want to toss in here. Uh, if you do play George Orr, I just want to see a picture of you with that mustache and beard that he's got. Yeah. That's... No, <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, what, a, what a wonderful character, guy. Those are some. Those are some ape hanging Harley Davidson handlebars there. <laughs> and yeah. that that bastard had a lot to say. He was he was really ahead of his time. He really was. That's cool. Yeah. That's very another, cool. another thing you mentioned in the Q and A in, uh, in Sweden was uh, kind of a TV show or a documentary about pottery. Yeah, I wanted, wanted to I, make. Joe Madry and I had Joe Madry and I had this great idea about about taking and traveling the world really to different potteries because they're extraordinary, exceptional people. I mean, they're very different from every walk of life. You know, they. I, I met a a woman in Romania. When, when I go do a movie and I go to a different country, I go try to find a pottery. In fact, I worked in, in a pottery in Copenhagen when, when I was very young. Yeah. In a factory. Yeah. But I'll tell you about that. But, but I, I met this woman. She was four. She was probably four foot nine. <laughs> and she was working in, in, uh, in Bucharest in a porcelain factory between two giant kilns. <laughs> That's the only space they gave her. They let her. They let her work there, and she made pots that were like nine feet high, and they were incredible pots. And she was a she was a wonderful artist. And so I thought, <clears throat> Joe Madry and I thought, if we traveled the world and met these eccentric, wonderful, wonderful, determined, driven people, that it would be a great show, and we would do it the same way we kind of did. Uh, bring me the head of Lance Henriksen. It's all improvised. And I have a buddy named Tom Coleman, who's this great, great potter. I, I have a whole subculture of potters that are friends of mine. <laughs> <laughs> but Tom, Tom and I hit it off, and we joke, and we laugh. And, and I, I wanted to use uh, Tom and I traveling the world, really, doing this. Because you, you, you've got to have respect for people that, at the end of their lives, will realize they've, they've been working their whole lives making art. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, and they only earned a dollar an hour, <laughs> if that. Yeah. But there's there's the other issue. Here's my profane issue, where I'm being profanity. Uh -huh. if, you're, if you're in a restaurant or at your house and you're eating off of white plates, I want you to remember this. You might as well be eating off a toilet bowl or a white kitchen sink. It, <laughs> there's no beauty in those plates. Yeah. You're eating off of, off of something that somebody else has laid on you, as opposed to beautiful dinnerware like the Japanese uh, oh, yeah. think of their oh. art. I'm not talking about making Japanese plates, but I mean that that all potters have a real desire to make food look good instead of eating off a toilet bowl. Yeah. Anyway, 
well, relieved on it. We don't use white plates here, so. <laughs> well, we, we, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, we do, but we also have three very little boys, so it's possible we also yeah. eat off of toilet bowls. So. Uh, <laughs> 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 I wanted I actually wanted to call the show Lick My Bowls. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> that could be the we you, you gotta do a blog, Lance. You'd call it lickmybowls.com. <laughs> Just <laughs> would be but, yeah, but me, you see how complete the idea is that, that imagine for a minute that nobody knows. The average person doesn't have any idea that there is an art that is ceramics. And it's rampant in America and every other country, Australia. I have friends down there that are potters and I, I got in Europe, uh, all over the world. I mean, and these people are incredibly creative. So mm -hmm. I'd like to expose them to the world. Actually, really actually, go ahead, Jason. It, it's one of the, well, it's one of the most, you know, ancient art forms that exist. I mean, in, uh, uh, my my college degree is actually in anthropology, and one of the things I loved studying was, um, you know, ancient pottery forms. And it, it's one of the rare things that across the world has existed in almost every culture, um, you know, throughout history. So it's it's, sure. it's incredibly diverse. When you when you see how it started, the American Indians they would take they would take clay from the riverbank and put it in a in a basket to carry water in hmm. to store water. And then they would, when the basket wore out, they would throw it into a fire, and it ended up cooking hmm. the clay. And there you go. Now they suddenly got pots. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, my mom is actually uh, she hasn't done it in a while, and I'm constantly pushing her to to go back and do it because I know how much she enjoys it. She's actually into pottery as well, so uh, she she finds player it very this, therapeutic. Player this blog. She'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, maybe uh, maybe I won't. <laughs> Because <laughs> I, I, then we'll get the speech. I really enjoyed that. It was really wonderful, Joel. Do y'all have to use all those bad words? It's like, oh, yeah, okay, mom. Uh, <laughs> but but you know uh, let me just say something, man, about bad words. Okay, <laughs> it, it, it gets down to the smoking thing, you know. But uh -huh. the, back in England, you know, you had to have a permit to make love to your wife to have a baby. And, it, and he, the permit was fornicating under consent of the king, and you had to pay for it. Huh. <laughs> and the British, being as smart as they are, they just called it a, a fuck, fuck thing. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a fuck tax. So, so, so it isn't really a bad word. No, of course not. What, you know, it isn't at all. Something positive. And shit came from, uh, you know, them transferring... Um, manure across the great legs anyway anyway i don't want to go <laughs> i think we should turn this into a podcast all about the history of profanity with lance henriksen that would be the greatest podcast ever <laughs> that would be fantastic is, is somebody choking in the background is that a dog or is that is that a mule yeah i know really who is that peter is that yours or jason <laughs> yeah it's my dog uh, it, oh cool so, she's done. <laughs> I mean, I mean she, she's still here, but she's done. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, she, coughed up, she, coughed, she coughed up the last cat she ate. Yeah, really? <laughs> yeah. Not I, a hair, but a whole cat. You're a dog person, right, Lance? Yes, I, yes, I am. Okay, what, what type of dog do you have or dogs? Uh, a mix. You know, I got it from the pound. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. But, cool. you know, women often have cats. Mm -hmm. You know, they... 
and you have to put up with them because you want the woman. You know? Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> See, and I'm so good. I didn't make any, any pussy cat jokes, so I'm very proud of myself. Um, <laughs> I remember as a young actor in New York, I was sleeping on girls' couches. I had no apartment or anything, and, and every one of them had a cat in the cat box. They were so used to the smell that when you walk in, you go, holy shit. <laughs> that ammonia, I mean, yeah. I'm out of here, man. But, you know, yeah. so you stay. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, the woman I married can't stand cats, so that works out for all of us. Um, but yeah, we, we, we have a, a great Pyrenees that we got from a rescue, and uh, the greatest dog I've ever owned in my life. So we're, we're big, big, big dog people, so... <laughs> There is one cat I want. It's an Abyssinian. I think it's a. It looks like a mountain lion. But oh, they're that's very cool. bright, playful. You that's know? cool. That's cool. Yeah. Anyway. Very cool. So what's next? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think uh, we're, we're we're pushing towards the end of this thing. We've had you on the horn for almost an hour. Um, I, I would be remiss though. I have to obviously. Uh, I I always love it too when when you know people have actors or directors on, on anything and, and it's like you know you were in uh terminate and they, and they sort of read it out to you as if you don't know all the movies you were in um so we're going to be doing a near dark episode and uh, yes Good. that's going to follow this we're going to put this out and uh then follow it up with with a near dark episode and i love that movie um i'm going to call jason out i do not believe he's seen it but that's okay because part, part of our thing on our show is oftentimes he'll pick one i haven't seen and vice versa and i love it so if he doesn't love it i'm pretty much going to rip him a new one um Catherine <laughs> <laughs> is a great director really she is yes. she just wanted the first women, first woman to win an Academy Award. Isn't that ridiculous that it took this long? <laughs> yeah, really, really shit. <laughs> okay. But but yeah, Near Dark is is a classic film, and and I love that like half the cast of Aliens, <laughs> just about <laughs> is is in, is in it. It had to be it had to be that way, and there's a reason because I, I went I, after that movie, Bill Paxton and I and others wanted to start shooting the prequel right away. We had so many ideas. We loved doing that movie so much. And I went to Chardoff and Winkler and said, uh, we, we want to do the prequel. Mm -hmm. And Chardoff said, well, listen, why, why would anybody want to see that movie? And I said, well, because it's, it's not because they were so vicious and everything. Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I said, uh, it's because they cared about each other. That's what holds the movie together. Yes. And, and really, that's what Catherine got in it. And that's why. That's why she pulled us all from Aliens to do that movie. And it's a movie about because, family. I mean, that's how I. T I mean, there's there's a, such a strong, this familial element to that, all yeah, these relationships. But there's also those actors all loved and trusted each other because yeah. we'd already been months on Aliens. That's know, incredible. So. That's we, great. It was kind of, uh, it, it, which was a thrill uh, at the convention house. We you know we, both you and Jeanette Goldstein was here. Yeah, man. So, uh, listen, do me a favor and thank everybody in Sweden, man. We, I had such a great time there. Really, people are great. They really are. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, very you cool. Know, I'll spread. I'll spread it around. Yeah. yeah, Peter, just go out on your porch and yell at the top of your lungs. <laughs> it's Get like on, twenty man. degrees there, right? So just go out, just stand, stand on top of that building. It's called the. I guess it's the male penis building. I, I don't know what you. Yeah, and my, yeah, that big uh, torso yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Stand on the roof of that. And tell everybody, Lance likes you. <laughs> yeah. And the next call we'll take, I'll be in prison. <laughs> and we've got Peter on the line from prison. Yeah, I'll tell you. 
I'll bail you out if you email me, man. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be worth it, Peter. Do it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, uh, uh, Sherry, who has written for uh, the Forgotten Flicks site uh, quite a bit, and actually she asked the same question uh, on Twitter uh, as a, a guy uh, that uh, Jason and I work together and a guy we work with uh, asked pretty much the same question. And, and it's a pretty basic one, but I think it's one that a lot of fans would want to know, so I'd feel remiss if I didn't ask. What was it like to be covered in all that slimy shit at the end of Aliens? <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's uh, that's a that's intense. <laughs> they uh, they 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 were actually using yogurt and uh, cream, oh. and they actually, yeah they left it out, and it was and and I put it in my mouth and spit it all over the place, but I got sick from it. Oh wow! Oh. Yeah, that's a, that's an inside one. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing like a little food poisoning with your you know, being ripped in half. That's <laughs> exactly. I was so I there's one picture of me that I love, man, and and it's Bishop is sitting there with that expression on his face. What the fuck just happened? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what? <laughs> yeah. Pay me enough to be here. <laughs> that's that's great. Land, land of the dragon tattoo, man. I see. <laughs> oh yeah. Shit. Yeah. And Those I, movies. They lost them, right? And and there's a connection now. I love them so much, and I loved Muma's work. And that she's in uh, Prometheus, which is terrific, man. She's a great actress. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, the Prometheus, I honestly can say, I, I, it's been a really long time that I have completely just geeked out about a new movie coming to theater. I, I, but that one is just top tier. I am really excited about that one. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm praying for dueling banjos because Ridley <laughs> did the first one, Jim did the second. Oh. I'm I'm hoping Prometheus is the the fourth, the third. Yes, and yeah. Jim does. Oh, I hope Jim does. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I know. Man. I have to, I have to go change my underwear now, Lance. Thanks for that one. That's <laughs> wow, that would be something. That's incredible. That would be historical. It really would. Well, uh, gentlemen, do you have any other final questions for I thought, uh, Mr. I Hendrickson? We my favorite movie, my favorite science fiction, is. Uh, is the thing the original one, the okay. black and white? Howard Hawks, yeah. Oh, Howard Hawks, that overlapping dialogue and and that you know, I mean, some of it is very naive, but mm-hmm. but some of it, some of it is just incredibly engaging. Mm-hmm. I love that movie. Yeah, I really do. Yeah, that's, oh, that's a fantastic. Movie. Yeah, it is a great movie. Yeah, <clears throat> very cool. But, but it, it's such. Uh, I know when I watched it, the, the dialogue was uh, was the thing that. that uh, yeah, mind. yeah, it's as to say, very overlapping and, and people talking all the time, more or less. And that was sort of a it Howard Hawks staple, wasn't it? Yes, it yeah. was. Yeah, and then, you know that's 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 the core stuff. I mean, I saw that at, at a very early age. You know, I mean, I and I I realized that was alive. <laughs> and then you went through that whole era of you know bullshit movies, musicals, and mm-hmm. crap like mm-hmm. that. <laughs> uh, so, so Mr. Henriksen will not be doing a musical, I take it. <laughs> no, I can't sing, man. I went in for an audition to sing. <laughs> it was it was horrible, man. <laughs> the guy, there were two guys waiting to see me, and, and I walked in with a borrowed jacket that picked out of the garbage by a buddy of mine. Mm-hmm. He lent it for the audition. And I went in and I had a, even a briefcase. And the only thing in the briefcase was my headshot and a shoelace, a half a shoelace. <laughs> right in the middle of the, uh, of the, the interview, 
a cockroach crawled out my sleeve and <laughs> fell onto this white rug. <laughs> it was really funny, man. And the guys couldn't wait to get me out of there. And I said, don't you want me to sing? And the guy said, no, no. <laughs> We're good. Because <laughs> I crossed my arms and legs and, and the back of the jacket just ripped up the back. <laughs> oh, and the guy said to me, well, what was that sound? And I said, it's my jacket ripping up the back. And then those are my <laughs> So you didn't even get a chance to sing. So it's very possible you would have been amazing. Oh, no, I wouldn't have been. <laughs> uh, no, he would have stuck me in the back holding a spear or something. Yeah. <laughs> That is fantastic. That is great. I, I can't. I cannot even begin to tell you, Lance, how wonderful this has been. Seriously, I, I love hearing the stories and the ideas. And I, I'm an idea guy. Um, ask Jason; he will tell you I don't shut the fuck up. Uh, so, um, I, I, I love. I just love it. I love the exchange. And, yeah. Good work. Man. Good work. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 we really appreciate you being on on with us. It's it's been an honor. You've actually cursed, and you're going to cut that out. I know you are. Oh, fuck no, I'm not going to cut it out. This is get, I'm not touching a damn thing on this. Are you kidding me? This is like going to be the, 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 the sort of the, the, the holy grail of Forgotten Flicks. It's going to have a big explicit tag on it. And, you know, <laughs> no, there's no beeps, no nothing. <clears throat> Remember, it's fornicating under consent of the king. Yes, there's nothing right. wrong with it. Yeah, that's right. Oh, exactly. Yep. Proper English. Oh. Yeah. A couple of shekels. That's it. The Flatliners <laughs> episode was actually a day where the explicit tag came off. Yeah, we, we Jason and I unfortunately spent a large portion of this podcast trying to be, you know, we oh let's don't offend anybody. Then we're like, dude, well, we're not on. We just everything is fuck this, fuck that. You know, this not not that I necessarily <laughs> want to turn into a Kevin Smith movie, but you know, let's be real. You know, just be what we are, and uh, so it's a lot more, um, um, I think, uh, cathartic that way. So. But yeah. the people that get offended, you know, they can always like they can always step away and yeah. write you a note or something. Oh, oh they will. Uh, they do. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> what would make me happy is if, if uh, Obama came on television instead of his, you know, instead of his lyrical shit. Mm -hmm. He suddenly, you know, going to war is a, it really fucking sucks. <laughs> I would love it if any president did that. I don't care who they are. Seriously, uh, they could be the like the word. I don't care if they just had the balls to just go. Yeah, this is all a bunch of fucking bullshit. And yeah, <laughs> just be real. Life is, life is complicated shit, man. Trust me. Yeah. I think their popularity rating would skyrocket. Oh, it would. It would go ninety-eight percent popularity. Yeah. Yeah. All the rest of the people that you know wrap themselves in towels and hide in the closet. That. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I'll forget it. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because I'm actually in a closet right now doing this. So. Hey, thanks for thanks for having me on, oh. and, and and I really appreciate it. I just want to say one thing. Yeah. This is Lance Hendrickson, and you're listening to Forgotten Flicks. Fantastic. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Thanks again, Lance. That's fantastic. All right. We're out. Thank you so much for coming on, dude. This has been this has been such an honor, Lance. I can't even begin to tell you, man. This is great. Thank you, guys. Really can't appreciate. Believe, it. Can't believe you said yes when I asked you. <laughs> I yeah, really, I always keep, I always keep my promises, man. Yeah, you do, and that, and that, honestly, I, I my my I mean, obviously, you know, we're fans of your work, and and there's that detached aspect of it, but just as a human fucking being, I have so much respect. <laughs> 
for, for the fact that you're that way and that you are real and that there's no pretense or bullshit about you. I love that about you. That's just, oh, I'm, you know, just oh, great. Love it. I'll second that thought. Thank yeah. You. Thank you. I wish I was coming to Gothenburg. I know that I know that the uh, the shows are going, the Jesper's shows are going to Gothenburg and to Stockholm. Oh, but I, I, I love Sweden. I really do. I, I love the Scandinavian countries only because I'm Viking. I'm a Viking. Henriksen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, your, yeah, your dad was from Norway, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I and I really, I, when I get off the plane, I go, I'm home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm first generation, so that that really, it really is a true thing. That's cool. Anyway, guys, well, and, kick and, ass with what you're doing, and and I'll see you down the road. All right, brother. Thank you so much. Thank Lance. you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. Bye, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.